Well, for our first scripture reading, let's turn in our Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. This book is attributed to Jeremiah, who would have lived through the destruction of Jerusalem when Babylon, the Lord raised up to come down and take the city and destroy the temple. Gives us a little bit of perspective as to why this book is called Lamentations. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And you can see it's quite a lengthy chapter. And our purpose here is to read it and just make a few comments. But if you could see these particular chapters in their form in the Hebrew Bible, it's a song called a dirge. And in this particular chapter, this is the third one, the structure is a little different. And it's made up of single lines in groups of three. And each one of those three start with the same consonant of the Hebrew alphabet. So literally, if you were to break this down, every three lines, it's starting with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So, for example, in the first three verses here, these would all start with Alf, which is the A of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the second three verses would be Bates, and then it would continue all the way to the end. It's amazing to me how the Lord caused his word to be written. And the beauty even of how his word is set forth in very poetic language. Now we can read this as Jeremiah being that man of sorrows. But I believe that here also is a prophetic look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. What Jeremiah endured in the destruction of Jerusalem and of that temple is significant of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he bore, the contradiction of sinners against himself. So as we read this, we can do so with that twofold view. That yes, this does portray the sorrow and grief of Jeremiah as he saw the heavy hand of the Lord upon that city but also upon him as he considered because of the sin of the people that all this was taking place. I don't think we ponder enough about what it meant to the Lord Jesus Christ to come to this earth and to bear the sin of his people, the sin bearer, that it was the travail of his soul. That's the way Isaiah put it, that he endured before the Lord. So here in verses 1 through 9, we see this man afflicted by the Lord. He said, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Who could say that more than the Lord Jesus Christ, enduring what he did for the salvation of his people? He hath led me and brought me into darkness. What could be darker than being the sin bearer and bearing up under the weight of that sin that was put to his charge as Christ 
was the mediator. And so he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. The Lord Jesus didn't come down here to this earth to live a comfortable life. Just imagine the darkness that surrounded him. It was a world of darkness, he being the light, and yet he passed through this world and endured the affliction of sinners in his body on that tree. He says, surely against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. The Lord Jesus Christ, this is a statement and not a complaint. That if we want to understand why Christ endured the affliction that he did, well, it's because God is holy. And in order to be just, to justify sinners, it was necessary that he have the very hand of his father turned against him all the day. He has, in verse 4, my flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. We know that there weren't any actual bones broken of the Lord Jesus Christ because it was necessary that lamb be without blemish and without spot, but metaphorically, he was crushed, he was bruised for the sin of his people. Verse 5, he hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. Who could read this and not think of the travail of Christ's soul and compare this with Psalm 22? But it's what Jeremiah is experiencing as he contemplates God's wrath upon that city. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. It's not that the Father did not hear his prayer or he was praying somehow contrary to God's will. Hebrews says he was heard and that he revered the Father. But he was not to be delivered from that particular judgment that he came to bear on behalf of his people. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. And so you think about the attack. This is the attack of the enemy that God the Father was using to bring, first of all, judgment against the city of Jerusalem, against the temple, ultimately. Nebuchadnezzar being that instrument. And yet, Jeremiah speaks as if he himself is the object of God, like a bear, lying in wait, or as a lion in secret places. Or he hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. If you read the description here, this is more than just physical affliction. But this is the very affliction of his soul. I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. 
He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. The punishment or the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ were very real. He was not some kind of Teflon savior that did not feel. Scriptures say that he endured and experienced the very infirmities of this flesh, yet without sin. He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He says, Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget prosperity. Such was the humbling of the Lord Jesus Christ, typified here with Jeremiah. And I said, My strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. This shows to what degree that weight was upon him as he endured the affliction on behalf of that people. And, and Jeremiah here is much like Christ as a mediator, feeling the, the weight of God's judgment on that city, on that people, and all that it represented. But here we see in verses 19 and 20, I hope in God's help. It says in verse 19, remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. So here Jeremiah says that in all of this, God's purpose was that he might be humbled under the mighty hand of the Lord. And he says, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. If you want to have an understanding of just what were the thoughts of our Lord Jesus Christ as he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself and the very weight of the charge of the people's sin being put to his account. Here's a, a clear declaration of scripture that in this humbling under the mighty hand of God, he, God spared not his son, but delivered him up. Even so, then I recall to my mind, in other words, considering why it was he was enduring all that he was enduring. It was for the honor and glory of God, his father. And he said, therefore have I hope. And that's where we read here these mercies of a faithful God. This is good comfort to any one of us that may feel God's heavy hand of affliction on us. For the Lord's, nothing that the Lord deals with us in is by wrath. There's not an ounce of wrath in anything that he does because Christ bore that wrath. And yet the scriptures teach us that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And so these afflictions, you stop and think about even now, you may be undergoing certain afflictions and trials and you don't know which end is up. But even in that, the Lord is humbling you in order to exalt his own name, but he's faithful. That's what Jeremiah recalls here in verses 22 and through 25. It is the, of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. God does not deal with us according to our sin. 
he deals with us in mercy. Otherwise, we'd be consumed by it. He'd have to destroy us. But he dealt with a heavy hand on his son. He spared not his son, but delivered him up. So there we see the mercies of the Lord. And he says, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Think about that. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Even our Lord Jesus Christ did not look to man or any help from man. He was completely shut up to his father and his compassions. And we think there in verse 23, they are new every morning. Morning ends the night, doesn't it? Things look different in the morning. Morning brings a new day. And certainly that's so with the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ushered in a new day when he was raised from, from the grave. Every morning brings new provision for that day. That's why scriptures tell us, take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. Every morning brings new thoughts of God and his faithfulness and strength as the Lord gives it. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. But it's all based upon God's faithfulness, not our own. Great is thy faithfulness. Verse 23. And so we see here a picture of how God cares for his own. Certainly a Jeremiah being a type of Christ. His father never abandoned him. He was ever with him through every aspect of his work as a substitute. Here we see the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. This isn't just information that he's living on, but the Lord himself is his portion. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should hope, both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's not what we do we wait on him and his mercy and his grace and to quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. That's what our Lord did. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Didn't open his mouth as a, a lamb who before her shears is done, so our Lord opened not his mouth. There's a picture of waiting, hoping, believing that when this work was done that he came to accomplish, that indeed God would be faithful to honor that work that he did. And so we see here hope, but silently before the Lord. It is good that we should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 27, it's good for a man that he bear the yoke of his youth. Think about when our Lord Jesus Christ went into the ministry. It was at 30 years of age. That's the age where priests High priest entered into the ministry at age 30. And he was in the prime of his youth. So when it speaks here that a man, he bared the yoke of his youth, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't die a natural death, but he was given that yoke to bear that God the Father might be just to justify. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. Many times, even though Christ had that public ministry, he was alone with his father. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so there be may be hope. 
That's how our Lord endured. Bowed his lips to the ground in, in humbleness. Says he in verse 30, you say, well, how do you know this is all a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, read verse 30. How can you not read that? He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. That's the reproach of sinners against his person, against his work. And that's what he did to give his cheek to those that would strike him is a picture of patient, enduring or suffering. That's what our Lord did. So our Lord Jesus gave his cheek to those that smote him. He patiently received that suffering as being from his father. The men that put him to the cross, they were but God's instruments, but it was God who put him there. And so he willingly and patiently endured. And here's the hope, verse 31, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Our Lord's trials, Lord Jesus, his trial was to be but for a time. And then when it was finished, he rose again and sent it on high. He's no longer bearing that sin. It's been borne away. But for a while it was necessary that he be cast off. But though he caused grief, verse 32, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his punishments. Our Lord Jesus experienced that. And so we can say that. In him, he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approves not. The Lord wasn't doing these things just out of vengeance. He didn't turn aside from his justice when he was dealing with his son, but rather his justice was what was the reason for his dealing with his son. If you ever wonder, well, why did, what kind of God would smite his son, a holy God? That's what's required that Christ should come and earn, establish that justice, that God might be just and justified. That's what he did. And so here in verses 37 to 39, we, we see if you want Again, to know and to think about the prayers that our Lord would have prayed to his Father. Those many times that he was there all night. And the New Testament doesn't record necessarily what he was praying. But I know he was praying this word. Because it was necessary that he fulfill every aspect, every jot till of this word. So here in verse 37, who is he that saith and it cometh to pass when the Lord commandeth it? Jeremiah is reflecting on this, no matter what the evil, and he said, this is, this is the hand of the Lord, but so our Lord never complained against his father. He recognized that this is what the Lord had commanded. Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. There's not two gods here where devil's on one side and God on the other. No, out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Shall he not command both? Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins. Christ had no sins, but for the punishment of the sins of his people, he bore willingly all that the Father put on him without complaint. And so we see this humbling before the Lord. Let us search and try our ways 
and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger, persecuted us. Thou hast slain, thou hast not pitied. He's talking about that wrath of God upon the rebellious sons of Israel in Jerusalem. Destruction, no hope. That thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. This is describing now those that the Lord has left to themselves. Thou hast made us the off-scouring and refuge in the midst of the people. See, Jeremiah is being very transparent here and recognizing that this judgment of the Lord against Jerusalem, even what he was feeling was just. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare has come upon us. Desolation and destruction. That's what it is to be under God's wrath without a mediator. And so he said, mine eye runneth down with rivers of, of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. That's why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. But it's a picture also of what Christ would have endured. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intercession. There was none to intervene for our Lord, nor would he want it to be so, because it, he acknowledged that it was going to be through this means that God would put away sin. He said to the Lord, look down and behold from heaven, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Mine enemies chased me sore like a bird without a cause. Certainly our Lord was hated without a cause. And there's a picture there that they have cut off my life from the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. Waters flowed over my head, and then I said, I'm cut off. This is the death in which our Lord Jesus Christ anticipated and must come. And he bowed to it. He said, I call upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, fear not. All of this is the picture of Christ's prayers to the Father and the Father comforting his son, even through this trial and through this representation of the death for his people. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong. Judge thou my cause. When it says that I have seen my wrong, it's certainly not that Christ had any wrong, but it was the sin that he bore of his people. And uh, here he is like a, an attorney or an advocate, is the word the scriptures use, inter interceding on behalf of those that he knows to be guilty. But he's pleading the case for his life and for that of those that he represents there. There's a lot in that verse. O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong, judge thou my cause. Don't, he's saying, don't look upon the people that I represent, look upon me. Thou hast seen all their vengeance and all their imaginations against me. Thou hast heard their reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. When we talk about 
sins nailing Christ to the cross, if he paid for my sin debt or your sin debt, then our sins nailed him to that cross. We take the blame. The lips of those that rose up against me and their device against me all the day, behold, they're sitting down and they're rising up. I am their music. That's what they did with our Lord. Mocking him, even as he hung there on the cross. He said, render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. In other words, if any were not the Lord's for whom he was paying the debt, then that same wrath that fell upon the Lord would fall upon them. Give them sorrow apart, thy curse unto them, persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. What a tremendous song that we have here that Jeremiah is describing the weight of what he endured as he saw the Lord bringing his wrath against that city of Jerusalem, against even the temple. But you can see in it prophetically our Lord Jesus Christ would have borne up under the, the weight of God's wrath as he endured it on behalf of his people. Gracious Father, I thank you for this word, how profound it is, and even reading through it as we have, how we need to go back and consider again just what your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, endured for sinners such as we are, that you might be a just God and Savior. So we commend the rest of our time of worship to you and pray for your blessing. May our hearts and minds be on the Lord Jesus Christ alone. In whose name I pray, amen.